Hello, listeners. Welcome to Fumbling and Mumbling with Delta Farce, Episode 1. So, just briefly, who are we and what is this? Delta Farce is a group of role players who are mostly based in Cardiff in the UK. My name is Ben, and I'm your Games Master. The players are Fiona, Stephen, and broadcasting live from Calgary, we have Matthew. Fumbling and Mumbling is an actual play podcast of our role-playing sessions. At least initially, we will be playing Dungeon World, an awesome role-playing game which none of us have ever actually played before. This first episode is going to be mostly character and world creation, which in Dungeon World is a collaborative experience. We'd love for you to listen, but if you want to get straight to the story, then jump ahead to episode 2. I'll give a brief summary and then get straight into actual gameplay. For now, all that is left is to say thank you for giving us a listen, and we hope that you enjoy. Right, I'm ready. Okay, okay. Calm your face. I can't calm. You can't calm. Very end of castle. Castle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) They've got Emery. Could be Emery. Emery. Emery, okay, I'll be Emery then. Emery, I should have a surname, I think. I might go for Dunwick, actually. Emery Dunwick. Yeah, I like that, that's good. Oh, the Cthulhu thing, is it the Dunwick horror? Dunwick horror. Dunwich, isn't it? Dunwich horror, yeah. Dunwick is good. Maybe in this world there'll be a Dunwick horror. (laughs) I choose not to have a surname. You choose not to have a surname? Or is it just that it's so long that it takes you too long to tell us? Okay, so we're going to do character creation as a group. You have Shiny. ideas and things. I think all of you have already got ideas and things <clears> that you know what you want to be. I don't mind if things change as we go, but yeah, at the moment. Effectively, this is a trial run. So if you decide, actually, I don't like my character or my character is not what I was expecting it to be, cool. then next time, be a different character. Sure. What do people want? I mean, we've never played a game where, other than Cthulhu, where death is really a common thing. People want to be able to die. Oh, like, a... I mean, obviously you're able to die, but yeah. 7C, which is the other sort of long-term game we've played, you, you basically don't die in that unless it's dramatically correct. The interesting thing with this game is I don't roll any dice. So <laughs> basically, if, you know, if you're in a fight and you get hit, you roll for damage yourself. You know, depending on what the monster is, you'll roll a different dice, but oh, I don't roll anything, so I can't fudge rolls to keep you alive. That could be painful. <laughs> the rules as standard are you can die, obviously. <laughs> it's not guaranteed when you hit zero that you will die. In fact, on one of these sheets... Last Breath? There is a special move called Last Breath. When you're dying, you catch a glimpse of what lies beyond the black gates of Death's Kingdom. The GM will describe it. Then roll. Just roll, plus nothing. Uh, death doesn't care how t- tough or cool you are. On a ten or more, you're, t- you're teaching death. You're in a bad spot, you're still alive. On a seven to nine, death will offer you a bargain. Take it and stabilize or refuse and pass beyond the black gates until whatever fate awaits you. On a miss, your fate is sealed. Your mind is death zone and you cross the threshold soon. GM will tell you when. Because the game is largely based on D&D, resurrection magic exists. So if one of you dies on an adventure, as long as your companions can be trusted to haul your corpse back to a nearby church, you can possibly... You have like a professional interest in doing so. He does, but he's not really <laughs> not, to resu- not necessarily to resurrect, it's either. It's like, well, I suppose, actually, you could animate their corpse as a zombie, walk it back to town, and then get it resurrected properly. So you're always going to get me my undead Resurrection's yeah. a third-level spell. <laughs> uh, I was wondering with animated bodies, if maybe, you know, for a proper normal animated body, you have to do whatever rolls and it's not, but maybe for something very, very basic, like a squirrel, if it ever comes up necessary... You could just have it and maintain it as, as needed. Possibly. 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 Maybe you'll find artifacts that can, can help in your... Doodaloo! <laughs> <quest laughs> <of laughs> all-powerful necromancer. It's totally wicked. I like spout lore. 
Yeah, it's basically <laughs> the equivalent of a knowledge skill in anything else. And you go, aha, it just so happens that I knew about this. And then you might or you I might not. I like you've had to put a thing and say that it's actually, we have to be honest about where we are this from. I, those are not quite word for word, but those are yeah. the descriptions. Where is it? On the spout law. Yeah, so no, you can awesome. say that you know something, because you oh, yes. roll successfully, but then I might say, <laughs> yeah. so how did you find out about this? Well, why why were you studying zombies? <laughs> that's just something we do, that's all. Um, <laughs> So, let me go back. Very little is established about the world because the nature of the game is that we make the world up as we go along. But effectively, as is traditional in Dungeon Dragons and fantasy games, the world, which is called Delphasia, is a world of magic. magic. Um, over the past few months, a series of earthquakes has devastated the land. Many settlements have been damaged and a series of ancient underground ruins have been unearthed. By royal decree, the Grand High Order of Adventurous <laughs> Heroes and Virtuous <laughs> Champions has been given the authority and the responsibility to explore these dark dungeons, purge them of monsters, and claim any treasures found within. You now find yourselves near the northern borders of the Empire, which is at the moment just the Empire, I know nothing about it, <laughs> um, just outside the town of something or other. What appears to be a relatively small ruin has been unearthed nearby, and you're the only adventurous heroes in the area who can liberate the treasures within, and possibly save the townsfolk from any monsters. But I don't know what your personal goals are. (laughs) Are there Um, any four-legged villagers? Because I might care about those. Here we go. That didn't take Um, very long. (laughs) So, first of all, we do character creation. I know there is a list of characters, but you've all basically picked the characters you want. So Matthew is playing the non-standard druid. He's playing a special class druid, um, which doesn't necessarily mean he has any class. <laughs> That's fair. Fiona is playing. I a... have no class. <laughs> of course, you have no class. Uh, Fiona is playing a ranger, who we'll find out a little bit more about in a moment, but could be quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and Steve is playing a wizard, who is his possibly researching new forms of magic or. or, or old forgotten forms of magic trying to expand on your your magical knowledge. Do I get the impression that necromancy is not considered in the good light most places? I don't know. That's kind of how I figured it was generally. I figured that generally it's not, but that's only because they don't understand. Probably, maybe it's that that resurrecting and and communing with people that have passed beyond life is seen as kind of more of a religious thing than an arcane thing, so... Maybe, maybe the priests have deliberately thought, that, no, no, necromancers well, are bad. Whatever. You come to us if you need to commune with the dead. Whatever. Or... <laughs> well, I think, I think my character would view it as bad. Yeah. You know, messing with the spirits, that's not good. It's more bodies and spirits, generally, <laughs> actually. After all, once someone's died, they passed on. It's just, it's, you know, what's the... Uh, Your waste management. Yeah. No, no, I'm just making... Uh, spirit passes on, I just use what's left behind. Yeah, yeah. it's efficient use of resources. Okay. We're very practical people in the Peaks. Okay, so Matthew, you are, I believe, a druid, aren't you? But you're not an old <coughs> one, so let me get your character sheet up. Yeah, I'm going to play the alt druid. Uh, I've started filling some bits in. I mean, you can fill in everything. We're just going to go through it so I can note things down as well. Yeah. If I get that character sheet up anyway, let's see the world. I notice with the alt druid, there's no race ability. The thing to bear in mind is all of the options on the character sheet are suggestions. You can go with something different. It looks like the druid, rather than having a racial ability, has a background ability. Yeah, that's um, what that's, I figured it was. Yeah, that's the equivalent of a racial ability. Um, but basically it's saying your race doesn't influence what you can do as a druid. Your background influences it. 
So yeah. I think you've decided you're going to be an elf. Are you sticking with that? I'm sticking with that. You're an elf. I believe you're from the Sapphire Islands. Is that right? I'm from the Sapphire Islands, which is a tropical paradise. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see how that works out when you, whenever we end up going there. Sounds great. It's a yeah. lovely place. Paradise. <laughs> <laughs> and then some druid made a terrible mess of things. Um, so to leave. let's just go through your choices. <clears throat> what what backgrounds have you picked from the choices? Very how did you do your magic? Did you have a mentor? Were you raised by wolves or were you granted nature's magic by a benevolent spirit? I was granted nature's magic by a benevolent spirit. Okay, so Aww. what's that do? So that actually means you are better at healing. That's quite cool. Ooh. Or and well, damage. healing damage, that's quite cool, using magic. Anyway. Well, only if it's primal magic, not if it's in animal form. Cool. <laughs> he doesn't care about animals. <laughs> I do, I do. What, what, what can you tell me about this spirit that granted you its powers, or granted or bestowed these powers upon you? It is the great spirit at the centre of the Sapphire Islands. Okay. The spirit of the large tree there, the Calibar tree, and I can't remember his name right now, but I'll come up with a name. Okay. <laughs> it's probably unpronounceable by human tongues anyway. Are you human? Oh, you're not. Elf. Elf. It's specifically a sapphire elf, Ooh. which we'll go into in a, a bit later, but because I think Fee might be involved in that discussion as well. <laughs> um, what alignment have you gone with, Matt? Neutral. You are neutral. I take so, nature's side in a conflict. I've explained to these two, but I will explain to you as well. Alignment in Dungeon Worlds is different to alignment in D&D. In D&D, alignment is more of a, you have to do what your alignment says you do. You have to follow your alignments. Dungeon Worlds approaches it the opposite way, where it's like you can do whatever you want, but if you follow your alignment, you get bonus points. So at the end of every session, we will say, did you fulfill the criteria of your alignment during this session? And if you did, then you get a bonus point. Yeah, my criteria is really hard. Okay. Really annoying. I doubt I'll have any difficulty with that. <laughs> yeah, that's a <surprise>, uh. <laughs> So you are neutral. I'm a guardian of nature. Okay. We're going to do bonds last. We'll do everyone's characters, and then we'll do the bonds as the last thing. That makes um, sense. <clears throat> so let's just have a quick look to have some interesting starting moves. So you can assume the shape of an animal because you are a skinwalker. So basically when you shapeshift in an appropriate way, you will one of your stats will decrease, but you will gain special abilities that are appropriate to the animal. Correct. And it looks like that levels up as you as you increase in level, you can sort of gain more abilities. Yeah. Okay, cool. Are there any animals you... I know it's not strictly a part of this class in the same way as it is in the default druid, but are there any animals that you sort of particularly favour wearing the skin of? Well, there are three favourite animals. The first is a, a jaguar, a jaguar, a brightly coloured macaw, okay. and, uh, and uh, an anaconda. Okay. Are you going with... Because obviously this is a fantasy world. I mean, you could also go with more exotic things, the D&D example being an owl bear, but you could be a macaw bear. That could be quite an interesting tropical relative of the owl bear. Uh, well, I think we'll stick with traditional okay. standard cool. animals for now. Maybe as I come more corrupted by presence of the necromancer, it will become a bit stranger. Fire Islands are, are sort of quite natural. They haven't been, they're sort of away from the corrupting. They're unspoiled tropical they're unspoiled. Okay. okay, cool. Over time, you can if you get to study other animals, you'll be able to turn into those as well. But these are some that you sort of you use quite frequently. Yeah. Okay. You can also let's see primal magic when you gather the primal energies that permeate the world. Choose an effect. So when you just say you're away from the corrupting influence of magic, 
<laughs> that primal magic's okay. <laughs> primal magic is fine. It's like the force. Hmm. So you can do a bunch of different things with your magic. You can heal people, and you're actually extra good at that because of your spirit mentorship. You can unleash the forces of nature upon a target and damage them. You can summon an animal to help you briefly, and then when you use it, there is a chance, obviously, of it not, not working as well as you'd want it, and you might attract unwanted attention, be exhausted, or be drained. And yeah, it looks like there are, again, that's something that improves over time. You can also spout lore about the wilderness using wisdom instead of intelligence. <laughs> I know lots about the wilderness. <laughs> there is no about the wilderness. Really? Um, understand really the that. speech of animals and communicate with them. Yeah, I'm Dr. Doolittle. What are you doing with your stats? I you know don't how... know. I haven't pulled any stats. What do I need to do? It's the traditional D&D stats. You have strength, intelligence, wisdom, constitution, dexterity, and charisma. Um, you basically have a bunch of points to assign to them. So one of them will be 16, one of them will be 15, one of them will be 13, one of them will be 12, one of them will be 9, and one of them will be 8. They are written actually just underneath your ability scores, those things. So you just assign them how you want. Oh, I'm looking at the one in Roll20. Let me let me open up the PDF. Well, actually, I'll just, just what's the highest one? 16 is the highest. And the next one is? 15. Okay, well, I'm going to go with 16 strength and 15 wisdom. 16 strength? Yeah. Right. So the box at the top is where you put your 16, and the box underneath that, you put plus two in. I see. Uh, does it automatically on the... Uh... Oh, oh, yeah, you're using anything on you um okay and what were you picking on wisdom then picking on wisdom which gives you a plus one what's the lowest one the lowest one is eight which is a minus one <laughs> i think that might be intelligence to wise but not very clever <laughs> yeah i think so so intelligence is eight what was after what was next lowest will be charisma charisma is going to be nine which is okay. zero bonus penalty. And then what are the other two options I've got to assign? 12 and 13, which are zero and plus one. Uh, I think it would be 12 constitution and 13 dexterity. Okay. So cool. just to recap there, I have got 16 strength, which is a plus two. Yeah. 13 dexterity, which is a plus one. Yeah. 12 constitution, which is plus nothing. Yeah. Uh, eight intelligence, which is minus one. Yeah. Fifteen wisdom, which is a plus one. Yeah. And nine charisma, which is a, a zero again. Excellent. I'm surprised you're intelligent enough to remember all of that. <laughs> what was your intelligence? Eight. Eight. How amusing! Surprisingly, that's not. Uh, what does that give me for hit points? So when... on the roll twenty sheets, it says twelve. So that's your constitution, isn't it? Twelve. Your base amount as a druid is eight. So I'll get 20 hit points. If you improve your constitution in the future, that will directly improve your hit points as well. Okay. Okay. So the only thing left for you is your gear. So you begin with dried meat and fruit, which is effectively rations. A totem. What is your totem? Oh, okay. Totem or symbolic of my animal spirit. It will be a tooth from a jaguar. One okay. on, a leather, on a leather thong around my neck. And where did you, how, how did you get that tooth? Think very carefully before you answer this. <laughs> no, no. I didn't kill the jaguar. The jaguar was dying anyway. 
I was directed to to him as he was when he was injured and dying, and I helped his spirit move to the next world. <clears throat> at which point, the spirit granted me the tooth from his mouth. Okay, cool. Um, right, so choose one of these. Do you have? I have a rune carved staff. Okay. Which was from a lightning struck branch from the Calabar tree. Cool. The Calabar tree is the great spirit tree, isn't it? It is the great spirit tree, yes. So do you have loose fitting leathers and some healing potions? Or do you have some sort of bone armour or thick hide armour? It's the fur loose fitting leathers and healing potions. Although it's probably more kind of furs, but leather will go with. Uh, that's fine. I mean, it's it's not an armor, basically. It's what you, you've gone with clothing and healing potions rather than armor. Yes. And then your final choice: Do you have adventuring gear? Basically, if you get adventuring gear, it means you've got a pack which has five uses that you can just pull an appropriate item out of. You don't define it in advance. You just say. I've prepared for this adventure, I've bought some, brought some adventuring gear with me, and then during the adventure you go, ah, here's this handy rope. <laughs> At which point you tick off a use and add a rope to your inventory. So do you have adventuring gear? Do you have poultices uh, and herbs? Or do you have a carved wooden shield and a bone dagger? I think I have poultices and herbs. Poultices and herbs, okay. You have lots of healing stuff. You've got healing potions and poultices and herbs. Yes, I think so. I am of the land. I wouldn't be buying gear. Healing potion you drink and it heals you. Poultices and herbs, they take more time. It will take like a few minutes to apply them to an interest. It's not something you do in the middle of combat. It's something you could do after combat to heal someone. What's your name? Ruidor. 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 Okay. Ruidor the Druidor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Damn it, I need to change my name now. <laughs> You're welcome to change it. I won't say that again for like 10 oh. minutes. <laughs> I'm going to be Ruidor the Druidor now. Oh, dear. Ruidor, uh, it means hunting brother. Okay, cool. <laughs> what do you look like? <clears throat> ah, well, you see, I, I've got totally blue eyes, which are slightly luminescent, like the Fremen. So, like, like a cat's eyes at night, they, you can see them. They're kind of... Not luminescent, but reflective, if you can see what I mean, so you can see. On the other ones, I've chosen many braids. My hair is braided. I have a fur cloak and a live body, because basically I'm the human embodiment of a jaguar. You're not, in fact, the elven embodiment of a jaguar. <laughs> the elven embodiment of a jaguar, yes. He's an elf who, who uses magic to change himself into a human. And then that, that's when he's shifting forward to a human. <laughs> I think that is basically you done for the time being, other than bonds. So we will leave it at that. And next we will go to Fiona. You're a ranger, aren't you? Yeah. We'll start with your name. What is your character's name? Meris. Meris. What do you look like, Meris? The top right of your character. Yeah, okay. I quite like the animal eyes. I think that's quite good. Not like really, that's really certain. obvious, but just something slightly okay. unknown what, about what? them. So like slightly what? more sort of Maybe a bit more cat eye like Yeah, a little bit more cat eye. Surrounded by weird eyed elves. Yeah. <laughs> so you have slightly cat like eyes. Yeah, slightly greeny yellow with a okay. slightly more vertical pupil than you would normally see. But not really <clears> obvious. Is there a reason for that? 
I don't think I know. Okay. So you were <laughs> born like you've always yeah, had them. as far as I know. But it's, yeah. it's not the norm even amongst Yeah, and it's not, it's not so obvious that people would freak yeah. out if they see you. It's just, it's, they're slightly unusual. Okay. Uh, what else? Uh, wild hair, but I think maybe kind of braids mm-hmm. or dreadlocks, something like that. I'm going to write down dreadlocks just because Matt has braids. Okay, that's dreadlocks. fine, yeah. I have dreadlocks. Oh, you can change your hair, I suppose. We all have to have different hair. I think there's well. much shampoo in the forest. So, no. <laughs> you know, okay. I think dreadlocks is the practical choice. Clothing wise? Traveling clothes. Traveling clothes. A practical one. And do you have a live body, a wild body, or a sharp body? <laughs> I, I really don't know what differentiates those. <laughs> okay. Hey, nothing bright side. One of my answers was creepy body. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure what, what, what defines the creepy body, but there you are. Since I have no idea what, like, you know, <laughs> finds those, I really don't mind. Pick one at random and go with it. Uh, roll 1d3. One, you have a live body. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. As have I. This is very similar elves here. I think we may be cousins. Well, you are both outdoor elves. It's not that surprising. He's one of these, like, refined... Sapphire Island. With their weird reflective eyes. With their weird reflective eyes. <laughs> what alignment are you going with? Neutral. You are neutral, unsurprisingly, somehow. Um, and you're an elf, aren't you? Oh, yeah. See, when you're in, say, Perilous Journeys through Wilderness, so you automatically succeed. Perilous Journeys, basically, you, every person or three people, each person has to pick a role, whether you're going to be like the trailblazer, the mm. quartermaster, or the scout. Fiona, if you're in the wilderness, will automatically succeed. If those are the three options, it's going to be quarter matter for me because I'm the one who's not used to the wilderness. Okay, so what abilities do you have? You can hunt and track, so basically you're good at tracking things and you can potentially find out more information. You can make a call shot. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> if you make a headshot, they do nothing but stand and drool for a few moments. <laughs> <laughs> what about the uh, famous call shot to the nuts? Probably a very similar reaction, to be honest. Could well be. They might double over and grow all to the ground. You also, shock horror, have an animal companion. <laughs> As before, there are suggestions, but you're welcome to pick anything you like <clears throat> except an undead squirrel. I'm not allowing undead <laughs> for you. Not to start with, if you want to be terrible and pervert nature and raise the dead, then we'll always do so, but do that in the future. For now, you have an, an, a living animal that, again, doesn't have to be on the list and doesn't even have to be a normal animal. If you want a pet owl bear, I would probably allow it. Do you just have a domesticated owl bear? Kamira? <laughs> no, I think I have a dog. What's your dog's name? Inky. Inky the dog? Yeah. What does he look like? Is he uh, black by any chance? No, he's slightly slodgy. Okay. Uh, and he looks sort of Irish Wolfhandy, uh, think the Skyrim yeah. dogs. Scrappy <clears throat> Irish Wolfhound. Cool. So basically, of the four options that are on your character sheet, you pick one of those things. Yeah. Have you looked at it? Uh, yeah, he, I'm going for the third option. So, Ferocity 1. Yeah. Cunning 2. Yeah. One Armour and Instinct. One Armour Instinct 1. What strengths are you going with for him? Uh, he is adaptable. Okay, and... What training is he going to have? Uh, he has travel <coughs> and search. And what's his weakness? He is lame. Oh. <laughs> he's got a bad foot. Might only have three legs, but, oh, you know, that's kind of... But certainly one of them doesn't work very well. Okay. Well, I, I don't mind. What do you think? Has is, is he lost a leg and you've, like, adopted him? I, yeah. Or... I think maybe I, I was allowed to take him with me when I was encouraged to leave. Maybe the other rangers really... thought it's a normal part of nature for this animal to die. But I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think he managed to, you know, keep him going and 
Yes, I think he probably does only have three legs. Okay, cool. Three-legged. Then we can make him a wheel. So on page two of your character sheet, what gear do you have? You will start with dungeon rations, leather armor, a bundle of arrows, and then do you have a bow and a short sword or a bow and a spear? I have a bow and a short sword. And do you have adventuring gear and extra rations or do you have adventuring gear and extra arrows? I have adventuring gear and arrows. Interesting thing about this game is that damage is not based on your weapon in any way. Hmm. It's entirely based on your class. The idea being that even if a wizard picks up a battle axe, he doesn't know how to use it, isn't very good at using <laughs> it, so he still doesn't do much damage. Fair enough. But they do have tags on weapons. So, for example, the short sword is close, whereas the spear is reach. It's very narrative-based, but thematically, if a goblin had jumped on him, you wouldn't be able to use your spear on him. Yeah. Matt, it looks like um, our combined strength is the same as your strength. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the strong one. Eight, which is minus one. How dexterous are you, Mary? 16. Gives you a plus two. What's your constitution? 12. Which is zero. Intelligence? 13. Plus one, I believe. What's your wisdom? 15. And your charisma? Nine. My eyes freak people out. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, charisma doesn't actually just have to be physical appearance. It might just be that because you're an elf, you don't really know how to talk to people. <laughs> Including other elves. Actually, Ben, can I swap my intelligence and charisma around? So your intelligence is nine and your charisma is eight. <laughs> Before we get to Steve's character, what kind of elf are you, Steve? One of the elves of the Great Forest? Are you another group of elves that are somewhat... Well, uh, I don't come from the Great Forest. You come from... Uh, I come from um, yes. Tor Kareg, which roughly translates as the Wood of Sharp Teeth. Right, of course. Is that like, um, do they have their own sort of separate nation of elves there, or are they almost like a colony? It's a the... colony. So you're more, yes. more colony. Just because Matt is a sapphire elf, I'm going to call the elves of the Great Forest Emerald Elves. And I think in the future you're going to have to encounter some like obsidian elves and some ruby elves and <laughs> maybe onyx elves. There's always bloody loads of elves in these things, aren't they? They have to be. Uh, I mean, by all means, pick a race that's not on the list <laughs> or make one up. You could be a dog person <laughs> with a pet dog. <laughs> okay, everything. Agent on your character sheet, Steve. Hello. You, I believe, are a wizard. I am Emery Dunwick. Emery Dunwick. Yes. Not a particularly fancy name compared to the, the company. I <laughs> it sounds like quite a, a formal name. Are you like Emery Dunwick the Third? No, not no, Emery Dunwick. Just Emery. Name. Okay. Right. You are a wizard. What is your appearance? Right. Uh, he has sharp eyes and a thin body. Sharp eyes. Body. Um, and he has both styled hair and stylish robes. He likes to keep himself looking good. Okay. I like the fact that like Matt is wearing fur hide and stuff and has braids and Fee's wearing travelling clothes and dreadlocks and Steve's got stylish hair and stylish training. <laughs> it works well. <laughs> Maybe they're helping to educate you. What is your alignment? Neutral. Even though it's the hardest one to actually fulfil, annoyingly. Isn't it? So we have to actually do it. But it fits exactly what you said. That's you the thing, yeah. The problem is it's more an ongoing goal. Basically, the good one is use magic to directly aid another. That's really easy to do. The evil is use magic to cause terror and fear, which is fairly easy to do, although it's not very conducive to working well with others. And the neutral is discover something about a magical mystery. Hey. Yeah, which means I'm probably not going to be getting many points for that, sadly. That sounds good. What? In every, in every session, there'll happen to be a magical mystery. 
you're not expected <laughs> necessarily to fill your alignment in every session. Mm. I like one of the druid ones where I think it's the druid to make even a chaotic as an option, and they have to destroy civilization. Is <laughs> <laughs> what they have to do. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't take that. It, it, it says wreak nature's havoc on a place. Nice. Well, I took neutral. I, I didn't take law. Lawful was enforced natural justice. Neutral is take nature's side in a conflict. Yeah, well, I'm going neutral anyway. Okay, um, and what race are you? I am human. <clears throat> yeah. You get a cleric spell, which I believe is going to be Speak With Dead. I'm taking Speak With Dead, yes. How, how do you know that, since it's not a traditional wizard spell? How did you come across it? Is it a spell? It's a, it's a cultural thing. It, um, um, the practice of necromancy is actually rather okay. common where I come from. Okay, cool. So are the clerics where you are then? Since sort of Not really, actually. Mm-hmm. Healing is medical rather than magical, generally. There's a little bit of magic sometimes uh, using healing, but generally it's a medical thing. And there aren't really many clerics in that area. So is that why, you're, why you've left your homeland? Because it sounded like you're quite an isolated community. We're fairly isolated, although partly that's because of our practices, it has to be said. The, um, the Thunder Peaks is inaccessible, generally. The land is inhospitable, that might be the best way of describing it. Uh, we've been there for a very long time, and generally we're quite stubborn people. Now, we're not entirely sure if the reason that we're in an inhospitable land is because our, ne- our ancestors were heavily involved in necromancy, or if it's just that it came about that way anyway, I'm not sure. It's often used to help out uh, in our land, so I'm not going to say cadavers as such, but things like skeletons and things are used occasionally, if necessary, for dangerous work. Yeah. Beasts and things are often raised just simply because it's not a good well, land for things like yeah. horses and stuff. So often, actually, co- animated constructs are created from mixtures of things in order cool. to be more useful in the area. So uh, other types of magic, so obviously you use necromancy or, or necromancy is a bit more accepted there. Yes. What uh, Other types of magic common as well? Are there lots of magical folk in the Thunder Peaks? Um, it's surprisingly common, but there's a heavy emphasis on it simply because it seems to be part of the culture. Okay. Even those who don't really go into necromancy later on tend to have a smatter, uh, has to have more knowledge than you might expect of it. For instance, the Speak with Dead spell, um, very common, even if you don't end up following the necromantic path, just because Quite a common it's a common it, thing. Yeah. I mean, it's not often necessarily used, but it's, it's, it's commonly known just as a kind of primer, really. Cool. Seeing you're the wizard, I'm going to sort of generally ask you about magic as well mm-hmm. as specific to you. Sure. What, what is magic like elsewhere in the world? Is magic common or wizards common? Wizards are, they're certainly not unknown. Uh, you won't t- generally find them living in villages. They won't be, like, a village has its own wizard. But you're quite often found in smaller towns there will be a resident yeah. wizard of some okay. type. I wouldn't say it's distrusted. People tend to be wary around magic users. Things they don't understand. Yes, yes. I mean, I say it's not unknown enough that people fear and hate it, but people just tend to step a little more lightly around wizards just on the off chance okay. that things go so- wrong. Generally speaking, not necessarily you specifically, but generally speaking, are people like born with the ability to use magic or do they learn it? Is it a bit of both? It's a little of both. Generally, though, they will recognise at a young age if you have the knack. You can learn it in a later life, but you generally don't, you're not as powerful, you don't have the kind of, the kind of natural mind yeah, to go with it. Once you're young, when you're younger, you're more able to yes. learn things, that kind of thing. Yes. And is it trained, again, not necessarily specific to your place, but generally speaking, is it like a mentor will take on an apprentice, or is it more like there are formal colleges of magic or academies? I would say that probably in larger civilizations there are more formal academies, mm-hmm. but there are other traditions in other places. Yeah. For instance, with our, in our lands, they don't necessarily have formal academies. There will be teaching circles. You might have a particular mentor, but more commonly, you'll have several people around. Basically, in the Thunder Peaks, there's lots. There's, there's a fair collection of interconnected villages. Yeah. 
None of them was too large, mainly because of the, the terrain. You just can't get a large settlement in there. But amongst those villages... So there's uh, lots of small communities. Yes, generally. Um, and I'll say, unusually, you'll find wizards of various stripes in pretty much every community there, and usually uh, several. Uh, not necessarily particularly powerful, but there will normally be several people in the, each community which has it. And generally, all those people in the community work together to teach other people or to learn off each other at the same time. That's, that's my particular thing. But I say generally, I think it's probably more structured in most places. Maybe in rural areas like you know the elves and things, it might be a little different. In fact, I suspect it's more different for elves because of cultural things Quite as well. Possibly, yeah. But I wouldn't know about that. <laughs> so, as a wizard, you have a spell book. Uh, you've mastered several spells and described them in your spell book. You start with three fifth level spells in your spell book. Yes. And all of the cantrips. I'm taking magic missile because it seems wise to have something. I'm taking detect magic. Hmm, contact spirits, telepathy, charm, person, visibility, or alarm. I'm actually not taking contact spirits. Mainly what because contact spirits do differently to speak with um, You actually just pull a creature through the planes, a spirit through the planes, but it doesn't say that spirits are necessarily the spirits of a departed. It might be another kind of spirit, like a nature okay. spirit or something. Um, it says it's bound to answer any one question you ask, so it's less possibility. That's a possibility. But I think for my third one, I'm going to take either invisibility or telepathy. Invisibility actually doesn't work on me, though, apparently. It says touch an ally. I would personally assume that you can cast it on yourself. Um, it would be odd for you not to be able to, in my opinion. Mm, okay, I'm going to go for invisibility, then, because that's interesting. Yeah, you just have to look a bit weird, cast a spell, and then touch yourself on the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, you've taken magic missiles, attack magic, and... And invisibility, and I also get to speak with Dev as my And you obviously get all of the cantrips, which, just so people know, the cantrips are light, yeah. um, which illuminates an area. Unseen servant, which basically <laughs> summons a invisible construct that will. It says it can do nothing but carry items. It has load three, so that's how many weight it can carry. Yep. It carries anything I hand to it. It cannot pick up items on its own, mainly carry those I give to it. Items carried by an unseen servant appear to float in the air a few places behind you. An unseen servant that takes damage or leaves your presence immediately a spell, dropping the items it carries. I'm not sure how it can do it. Well, I suppose it's an invisible construct, it doesn't say it's intangible, so fair enough. Yeah, maybe you can't explicitly target it, but if like an explosion goes off. Or it might be magical effects will, in the area, yeah. it might disrupt it. You know. And the last one is prestigitation, pres- uh, <laughs> which are basically um, minor tricks of true magic. Touching item, I can make it cosmetic changes to it, like clean it, soil it, cool it, warm it, flavor it, or change its color. If I don't touch anything, then basically I can create minor illusions no bigger than myself, but they're crude and e- easily, basically you know they're illusions, so it's quite like, you can make a... I think that's a catch-all, general, yeah. basic magic. Okay, so that is your spell book. You have the ability to obviously prepare spells from your spell book. It yeah, takes sure. a little bit of time, an hour. I'm going to assume that you probably do that sort of in the morning or in the night before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. Effectively, every time you do that, all of your current spells disappear and you pick a number of spells equal to your level plus one. Yeah. So at the moment, two. you would learn two spells and all of your trips. So generally, what, what spells would you keep prepared? I think I would generally keep together a magic missile for defensive purposes. Yeah. Probably detect magic, actually, rather than invisibility. That probably makes sense, given that your alignment is to seek out mysterious things. Even though invisibility would be cool, I think it would probably be detect magic. You obviously also have the ability to cast spells, Mm -hmm. um, which are all inherently linked. Yeah. As with most abilities, there's a chance of it not working quite right and you drawing attention to yourself or or a problem of some sort. You can also, if you've got an ongoing spell... You can end it at any point mm. to effectively deflect an attack. So that that's actually any attack. It doesn't specify a magical attack. So yeah, you could, for example, if you made Merit invisible and someone attacks you, you could sort of discharge the spell from her, but use the yes. energy to deflect a sword. It is typical. The, the only ongoing spell I have is not the one I generally have memorized, well, but there you are. True. 
you also, the most possibly the most important thing you have is ritual, <laughs> which is the longer term magic. You can basically tell me what you want to do, and I will tell you how to do it. Cool. There will be requirements to it. Oh, yeah. But if, for example, you're like, I want to, so like you were saying earlier, you want to learn improved ways of, of animating corpses, mm. or yeah, using necromancy, if you said, I want to learn a way to create, create a sustained animated corpse, then I can sort of give you the requirements of what you'd need to do to do that. Oh, undead bodyguard, awesome. <laughs> it might not necessarily be you need to do this, that, in this place. It might be there you know the person that could potentially tell you more about it. Sure. Is this, this. Sure. So your gear. Uh, for my weapon, I'm taking a staff rather than a dagger. I'm just having a look at it. Oh, sorry. So you've obviously got a spell book, portion of dungeon rations. You're taking a, sorry, a dagger as your weapon? Uh, no, I'm taking the staff, actually. I'm taking the staff, yeah. Sorry. Mainly because I figured I might be walking and it would be a good walking aid as well. Yeah, makes sense. Are you taking leather armour or are you taking a bag of books and some healing potions? I'm going to take the books and the healing potions, actually. Awesome. That's a good wizardy thing to have. Yeah. Um, the bag of books are basically like the adventuring gear. At any point you can say, I happen to have a book on this subject and <laughs> pull it out. Um, and you get five uses of it. Cool. Are you then, for your final choice, having another healing potion or three antitoxins? I was going to go for the healing potion, but I just suddenly realised that since my chosen career path might involve the occasionally messing around with corpses, I'm actually going to go for the antitoxins just That's in case. true, actually. Yes. <laughs> I happen to be, like, fiddling with this rotting corpse. Yeah, I mean, yeah. generally I'm quite fastidious, but still, you know, yeah. it, it might, happen, might have to be done, sadly. And Steed. Oh, right. sorry, Emery. Sorry, How yes. strong are you? Eight again. Eight. Not my strong points. What's your dexterity? Dex is 12. Constitution. 13. Okay. Intelligence. 16. Wisdom. Nine. And your charisma? Charisma's 15. 15? Yeah. Wow. So, so you're the fake. Well, you have stylish hair and exactly. stylish hair. Exactly. I, 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 I knew I was going to accept the to have a high charisma, so I thought, what the heck? And if people don't know you're a wizard, basically, they just see you as a well-dressed gentleman in, in long, fancy robes. Yes. Pro- probably a, a scholarly type or something. You could uh-huh. be a wealthy merchant. It's not obvious what you are. Yeah, I mean, it says rogue, sadly, on this. As I say, I mean, it doesn't have to be rogue. I would actually rather it was just stylish clothing, because I don't know how stylish rogues can be when it comes to like So you probably look like either like a minor noble or a wealthy merchant or something like that. Yes. Well, I don't mind if, it's, if you want it to be rogue, but otherwise, yeah, that's probably No, fine. no, it doesn't have to be rogue okay, at all. Let's say all the things on the character sheets are guidelines. Okay, so we have Ruidor the Druidor. Yay! We have Emery Dunwick, the wizard, and we have Merith, the ranger. Okay, awesome. So now I'm going to ask you some more general worldy questions. Cool. You are all members of the Grand High Order of Adventurous Heroes and Virtuous Champions. Matt, we'll begin with you. When did you join the Order? Do I have to be a member of the Order? If you're not a member of the Order, what, what are you doing here? Why are you travelling with these people? Well, I'm travelling from the Sapphire Isles because I have to go to the Great Forest to find my spirit name. Okay. But perhaps I've just stumbled across my companions in travelling. <laughs> so, uh, so you need to go to the Great Forest to discover your spirit name. Yes. That's what the spirit Calibar told me I had to go and do. Awesome. So what, you've bumped into these people and are now travelling with them? Yeah, I think so. Cool. Okay. Fiona, I know that you're um, not a practicing ranger anymore. <laughs> well, I still have all the skills. It's just we <clears throat> didn't really like my habit of bringing back like, the injured animals that we hunted and then actually healing them rather than eating them. <laughs> 
and we were spending all our money on like healing the injured right. sort of beasts. So you should have really like learned to be a vet rather than a ranger. Exactly. So I was. It was suggested that perhaps I could take a sabbatical, travel, and and enlarge my view of the world, <laughs> okay. and maybe not come back. Fine. So would it make sense that you've joined the Adventurers Guild? Yeah. Well, it? I don't really have anything else to do. So, uh, the nice thing about the Adventurers Guild is it it doesn't belong to one particular political group, but all of them recognise it. So it's a very nice way of effectively getting a passport to go anywhere and do anything. Yeah. And I've got, I've got nowhere particular to go. I've just been travelling, you know, meeting people and just like, you know, yeah. I, I can look after myself in the wild, so I don't really need to, you know, take on jobs to live, but I'm just bored, yeah. really. I just cool. want, you know. So you, you, you joined for fun and adventure and excitement. And because, you know, I wasn't actually welcome at home. <laughs> Steve, what about yourself? Well, two reasons, really. Uh, first of all, is obviously I'm generally on a, an ongoing kind of, maybe quest is too strong a word, but uh, an investigation into expanding my magical horizons anyway. Let's be fair, adventurers, I suspect, have lots of options to learn about stuff yeah. or just practice things. The other thing is that um, if you're pursuing magical knowledge, uh, and particularly sort of ancient <clears throat> knowledge, not mm-hmm. been long forgotten, the ideal place to do that is in a walled ruins and Precisely. and things. Yes. And normal folk can't go there. It, it, as a normal person, if you happened to go into a dungeon mm-hmm. and found a crap load of treasure, that would probably belong to whoever in the land. Yes. As an adventurer, you effectively have a permit to <laughs> go and take stuff. License to loot. Like, yeah. It's basically a badge of, I'm an adventurer, so <laughs> I can go into this dungeon and do what I want in there. Cool. An interesting way to meet new people as well. I always find it quite interesting meeting new people, learning about other cultures. They don't necessarily think the same about mine, but that's okay. I'm accepting people yeah, differences. You want to learn about things. Cool. Elves are interesting. So we know that there are emerald elves, we know that there are sapphire elves. Matt, I think you had in your mind that the sapphire elves were exiled? Yes, that's still my backstory. I like that backstory. Uh, so, so what happened? What, why, why were you kicked out of the main grouping of elves? Okay, okay. so long ago, the land was all just one, it was like a, a, a was it, a Pangaea where it's all just one continent. This right. is before any other races where it was only the elves. All was harmony. And then there was some kind of schism in society and one group of elves left and this angered the spirits and they brought down a massive storm that basically flooded the world. And the group that had separated was led by an elf called Elora. She pleaded with the spirits to spare them, which the spirits agreed to do, but Elora was sacrificed in the process. But they went with the letter of the agreement and spared just the little bits of land that the people were standing on, which is why the Sapphire Islands are an, arch- you know, an archipelago, lots of little islands, because that's where they were all stood. And <laughs> that's why the Sapphire Elves are separated from the rest of the Elves. Awesome. Okay, so that is at least the uh, history of your people, what you believe happened. Does that, does that sound like what your, the way your people tell the story, Fee? Well, there's certainly kind of stories about a, a group of elves that, you know, couldn't deal with the harsh realities of life in the forest, you know, went off to find an easier way of life. But because um, I'm not actually from the Great Forest. Like, no, you're more, uh, the, you're, you're a colonial. Well, the, yeah, the, the Great Forest is very, very insular and they yeah. protect it very much. So mm-hmm. you're only allowed into it at certain times of year, which is probably why Matt is hanging around where we are, because uh, you, you can't yeah. actually get to the forest. I mean, A, it's, an, it's very difficult to get to because some of the passes to it actually closed, you know, because of the, the weather. Yeah. But also they're not welcoming, like, all year round. They don't want lots of people yeah. coming in on sort of, you know, 
tourist visas or you know spirit guides or whatever they, they're not happy about that so all the way around the forest are colonies available to protect the borders which is right, what okay. one of ours is so we don't actually really the mix them. So yeah, we're kind of like a sort of so the woods of sharp teeth might be near like the entrance uh, like a, near yeah. a pass that goes yes. through to the great forest yes. generally as far as i'm aware the kind of the colony elves are a little bit contemptuous of the sort of the sort of high flying sort of very yeah Okay. peace-loving elves in the forest that rely on us to protect them and really, you know, can't be bothered to do anything except stay in their forest. Fine, okay. Maybe, Matt, you've joined with Merith because... Does Matt know that you were sort of, like, encouraged to go on sabbatical? <laughs> <laughs> so I think the elves in general are quite insular. They're not going to be unheard of, but they're not as commonplace as humans, for example. So maybe you've latched onto this elf who, who is nominally part of the Emerald Elves, and you've latched onto her as, ah, when the pass is open again, this person could potentially help me get there, and that's why you're travelling with her. I think that sounds plausible. I do. Also, she's a ranger, so you know you, you guys have got a, a somewhat common background. Yeah. Don't necessarily know that she's not necessarily welcome at home either. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. I agree. Okay, so what you, you've said what the Sapphire and Emerald Elves think of each other. What do they think of humans? <laughs> I don't think they're really that bothered. I think like, they don't dislike, well, certainly wild, they dislike humans. They're just rather indifferent <clears throat> towards them. They're, they're sort of contemptuous of certain other elves because they're worthy of contempt because they, they're elves, but they've done something <laughs> that is not approved of. But, but humans, humans are just significant like, enough yeah, to it's matter. like how is this, it would be like disapproving of an insect. You know, it's just there and it, they kind of do <laughs> things sometimes. It's a bit odd, but, you know. Awesome. Well, well I, I think that's the same. Uh, uh, the elves are obviously the oldest race and so anyone new, like humans or dwarves or whatever, they're just young upstarts, not worthy of notice. <laughs> Which propaganda is at work again? Awesome. Shut up, human. <laughs> I quite like humans. I think they're quite interesting. But your, your culture as a whole. The culture as a whole. But I mean, yes. you like animals as but well. But also, I'm kind of out. <clears throat> and yes. while I can see the reasons for it, I'm a little bit raw. So, so you, my probably, you probably have more experience with humans than yeah. most elves. And also, you know, a lot of the things that, you know, my culture says I shouldn't like, I'm like, well, sod you, I'm going to like <laughs> them because I wasn't welcome. So, you know, I've kind of almost deliberately had a bit of a, a back turn on a lot of my sort of cultural thinking. Okay. Steve, well, let's be fair. Uh, what, what do humans think of elves? Human opinion on elves is generally split into one of two camps. Either they're very much disliked for their superior attitudes and the, <laughs> fact, and the fact that they don't seem to do anything. You know, humans work the land and, you know, they always seem to be striving for things. Elves just seem to be lingering in the woods, occasionally popping out when they, they, when they fancy. They all seem a bit kind of, oh, we, we're just passing through, don't mind us. Not as if you do anything anyway. <laughs> okay. What, there's, there's, there's a subset, there's a small minority of them who, uh, of humans, uh, admittedly generally the, the more well-read ones, who think that the elves have a lot to teach us, since they, from what they know, they seem to have good oral traditions. Well, having said that, no one has found many elven books worth a damn, apart from in very specific areas. I get the impression there are probably also um, urban elves in certain places. But again, because they're so standoffish, we don't really have any input from them. So as far as we know, everything we've picked up, we've done it for ourselves, and the elves haven't really done much apart from looking down their noses at us. We also find it very amusing that elves constantly claim to be the first race around on the, on the area, because everyone obviously knows it was the humans. Because, because the elves were basically stuck in the forest, they have no idea what was going on outside. Scholarly opinion also doesn't necessarily hold that humans are first, but most humans believe we are. 
In fact, scholarly opinion has actually been able to draw no conclusion over who was the first race to emerge. That's fine. Um, unsurprisingly, as far as I can tell, everyone seems to claim it was their own. As well, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the dwarfs obviously came first. They just stayed underground. People actually suspect possibly it was the case, but again, no one's entirely certain. What do you suspect? The dwarves know it was the case, <laughs> you stupid humans. Uh, even, even some humans think it's possible, but... It's very hard to tell because, unfortunately, certainly early in their histories, the, uh, the races didn't really mix much. Okay. These days, it seems to be more a case that people travel around. Uh, humans seem to be better at traveling around and just picking up other stuff. Elves generally sort of stick in their communities and don't mess around with people. And the dwarves, in some ways, are even worse. Okay. Because not only do they stick in their communities, you hardly ever know where the damn communities are because they're underground somewhere. Having said that, there's no real hatred to elves. It's just this kind of people being a bit sick of them when they're around because yeah. they always seem to be condescending, even if they're not necessarily being so condescending. So humans kind of think that elves are stuck up and elves kind of think humans are pointless. Pretty much. That's probably the way it goes. Um, generally, it does not devolve, in, devolve, into, uh, sorry, devolve into violence, although I'm sure there are places well, that obviously, have Obviously, adventurers are more worldly. You can oh, yes. Just cultures and know a bit more. You're not, you're not yes, admittedly, the, uh, the opinions I'm hearing so far from these two aren't necessarily healthy. I'm, I'm pretty sure they were talking about their cultural <laughs> of course, rather than their of personal course, Of course they were. I'm sure they um, were. <laughs> so obviously there are humans, there are elves, um, there are dwarves we've mentioned. Are there hobbits, halflings? They exist? Short, hairy versions of humans. I don't the see what the is. So, so you probably think they're short, hairy humans, and they probably think they're short, hairy elves. Would there be any points to halfling at this thing, to be honest? Uh, well, the Sapphire Isles is very remote, and so I wouldn't know. It's a wilderness. Obviously, at the personal level, I probably wouldn't necessarily know, because I'm, I'm from a very isolated place, but I have been around so, in... So maybe they've been talked about, but no everyone's... Oh, yes, you know, you halflings, the, the, the yeah. little people. And they're, like, like, they're like gnomes, aren't they? Where do they live? Or gnomes, we don't know either. <laughs> I, I don't know, but, you, you know, people talk about them, but, but where are they? I don't know. They're probably in some isolated community okay. called Shire somewhere. I think Who knows? some people believe in halflings. <laughs> okay, but, so, 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 so halflings are more, more unique called leprechauns. There are certain people that insist they're real, but no one really knows where they are. There's always somebody whose brother's cousin's uncle met somebody in a bar that said they absolutely had once been on an adventure. It's like, no, that was just a, an elven child, you idiot. <laughs> I think if they do exist, they are so rare that most people wouldn't see them. I actually suspect that there's a, there is, there might well be a race of small, small humanoids around which aren't dwarves, but if they are, they're all coming to like gnomes, halflings, leprechauns, whatever, they're all the same thing, if they do exist. Yes, so gnomes, again, are something that people nominally <clears throat> do exist, but they're not an, a known about nation or, or race, really. So people kind of believe it is, but they might just be in urban legends, no one's really yeah. surprised. Okay, cool, <clears throat> I like that. Matt, what back on the Sapphire Islands? What did you do, sort of day to day as a druid? What what was your job, basically? Culture's more like Native Americans. It's just kind of hunter gathering. Are all of the Sapphire Elves druids, or are you quite uncommon? I guess I'm more of a hermit than most. I guess so. I don't really involve myself in society. <laughs> I guess yeah. I guess there's maybe on the larger islands there would be towns. I guess. But you specifically are. Like a chosen one, almost. You've been picked by one of the spirits. I have been picked by one of the spirits. Okay, cool. Fee, you've mentioned obviously you were you were kicked out of the rangers. What what exactly are the rangers? Are they like an organised? No, it's or? not that organised. Um, and the, the, it's only ranger in as much as it describes like what it is. Basically, like hunting in a, in in a colony. There are you know rangers. some people who will go out and hunt. Some people who you know sort of stay at home and look after right. the children and cook. Or there are some people who will actually travel a lot more between the colonies but i come from a family who are 
basically hunters. Okay. Um, and was encouraged to kind of join that. And I, you know, I've had all the training. It just really doesn't suit me. Would um, rangers also be part of the military since your your colony areas kind of guard the forest? Would they also be no, part well, of there, there is a military. There are <coughs> like people who are actually formally trained. Right, okay. And there are people who travel between different bands. So sure. like there would have been a couple of people from other colonies maybe visiting. And, sure. you know, there's a kind of perimeter that gets <coughs> sort of loosely, you know, guarded and yeah. people travel around it. Um, but ranger isn't really a kind of job title. It's so you're more, a convenient you're a description hunter. of a hunter. Okay. Maybe you call yourself a ranger now that you're out in. Now, but see, this is what impressive. I found that since I've been out of, of the colony, people refer to rangers, and you get a lot more respect if yeah. you say you were so, a ranger. <laughs> oh yeah, so I, I, when I lived back here, I was yeah, a hunter. I, who were like, yes. well, that's interesting, but not really in bed. But if you say you're a ranger, that yeah, sounds. It would be a bit cool. like somebody saying I go to the supermarket. Yes. You know, but no, I'm. I'm I definitely yes tell people now that I am a ranger. And Steve, um, so you've you've said that. Sort of in more in the open world, there are occasional colleges of magic, yeah. Um, but your group are more sort of not not self taught, they're more smaller. What's it called? The learning circle, um, yes, basically. Um, again, primarily mainly just because of practicalities, we're very practical people, uh, and because our settlements by necessity are small, yeah, you can't give up that much space and settlement to one large building for teaching, so we just keep it generally small, and it generally works fairly well. Although, as with everything, there's always bad seeds. You know, um, we actually believe that necromancy as a, as a practice originated in our area. We don't know if that's true or not, that's what we believe. Um, and unfortunately, due to the actions of some people who have decided to use it for the wrong purposes, it's gone out into the world and has become, got a bit of a bad reputation in many places. Right. I think generally necromancy is understood as being something possible to everyone, but it's not seen particularly fondly by many people. It's not necessarily an automatic mark of evil. But generally, people will look at you askance if you uh, talk about how you raise the dead. We've established that there is a place that we've nominally called the Empire, <clears throat> basically the civilization that we're going to be based around. We know that there is a nation of the Emerald Elves and their colonies. We know that there is the Sapphire Elves. Are your people sort of nominally part of the Empire, but very remote, or are you a completely separate ultimate group? The Tempest Peaks basically are, um, I would say, they're probably at the far east edge of the Empire. Just beyond us okay. is, the, is the Great Desert, which name I haven't thought of yet, which is, which is definitely beyond their things. So the Empire might claim us, but we really have no links to them whatsoever. Yeah, it's like you, you're technically part of the Empire, but you're so remote, no one really... Yeah, we don't do taxes. They've never tried doing taxes, and we wouldn't pay them even if they asked us to, because as far as we're concerned, we're not part of the Empire. Part of the Empire is concerned, they said, oh, yes, and we have this bit as well. In all practicality, no, we're not. But as long as they don't do anything about it, we don't care if they want to claim the area, because it doesn't make any difference to us. Again, we're very practical people, generally. Is it the Thunder Peaks or the Tempest Peaks? I don't know. I like Tempest Peaks, that's a good Tempest Peaks Tempest is what we do, uh, yes. I actually suspect that it's got several names, and it's not just our people who have named it, because there are yeah. other villages nearby as well, and, and towns and things fairly close to it. It tends to be whichever we stick with at the time. Tempest Peaks is probably the most common. With the sharp teeth, whereabouts are they? Uh, they are southeast of the Great Forest. Okay, and where's the Great Forest? Uh, the Great Forest <laughs> is quite a long way northwest of that little circle in the middle. Okay. Well, right, so it's a long distance between you and the Sapphire Islands. So, so the Woods of Sharp Teeth are probably the colony that's closest to the main yes. empire? Or called the main empire? Yeah, yeah, but yes, the Woods of Sharp Teeth guards the main road that comes up out <clears throat> of the empire, sort of heading yeah. northwest. So it was obvious for me just to follow that road, basically, and see where it took me. I think I'm going to change my gemstone from Emerald to something else. Well, emerald, you know, sapphire. I, I'm 
So you're starting your own elven. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you're the only member. Peridot elves or something. <laughs> Sardonic elves. Okay, so more specifically to this region that we're in, what's the name of this town? This particular town is... Well, why don't we start with why is the town here? Is it a military outpost? Is it just a farming area? I would guess that it's a... a uh, do we know how big the town is? It's town it size, so it's probably a couple of hundred people at least. I'd say it probably started as a a farming area, but it's on obviously it's on the junction of a road and the river, so it probably yeah. grew over time through merchant contacts to uh, the size so of this lake. Yeah. Yeah. I suspect it was probably originally like a sort of um, a crossroads <clears throat> for people travelling along the yes. river and up the roads, and it's just become a... It probably became a good place to have toll gates, both on the river and the yeah. road as well, so it just uh, grew from yeah. that. So it probably yeah. supplied a few nearby settlements as well, yeah. and yeah. perhaps like supply links and the like. In fact, I think the town is actually called Two Bridges because it has two bridges. <laughs> two bridges. Okay. Oh, okay. I like that. <laughs> but I suspect probably the locals just call it Two Bridges because they're lazy. <laughs> it's on the uh, on the the actual official map. It'll be Two Bridges, I'm sure. And it's going to be Two Bridge, which is T double O Bridge. <laughs> what? Oh, I was going to say T U U Bridge. I like T U Two Bridge. Two Bridge. Two Bridge. Okay, it's called Two Bridge. It's called Two Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> And it was originally called Two Bridges, but has changed over time. Uh, yeah, just outside the town of Tubridge. <laughs> <laughs> Tubridge Wells or something like that. <laughs> no. Nobody in Tubridge can afford property in Tubridge Wells. <laughs> Tubridge Wells is the posh area. Okay, I like that. That works well. So, so we know there was a farming village that's grown over time. Um, is there anything particularly notable about it? Like, I don't know, is there like a, a cathedral here, maybe a college of magic? It would probably be unusual in a town rather than a city, but that could be it. I would suspect, if anything, it's more likely to, to have a, like a garrison or something. It's, as I say, it's on two major trade uh, okay. routes, after all. So maybe it's quite like a militant. Well, yeah, it's it's not, it, it, it has might, a wayfarer station. Yes, I mean, to be honest, it might not be a permanent garrison as such, but it wouldn't surprise me if that troops move through it quite a lot. Yeah, so it probably has more military in the area than... Yeah, I think it's used as a sort yes. of midway point. Um, I think it has a, because it is on two major routes, it has a wayfarer station, so there's lots of people who use it for, like, changing horses if they're taking, yeah. like, messages or or sort of trading goods, okay. um, and I think Garrison has probably grown from that. Yeah, it probably isn't a particularly big Garrison, because, but they have more space assigned for soldiers. Okay, cool. And it wouldn't surprise me if there's actually a merchant guild. I don't think about a merchant guild. Yeah, yeah. That's nice. The way <clears throat> steadings or settlements work in Dungeon World is they basically have tags associated with them. <laughs> so what, we, what the defence tag for a town, traditionally, watch, which is basically a level three defence. So this might have guard, which is the next level of defense yeah. basically so whereas in a normal town you'd expect a couple of guards probably a patrol around the town here you probably have like a permanent armed guard mm. it, might, it might even be a walled town whereas a town of this side wouldn't normally be walled sure so it's it, it's got a stronger military presence which as you say it makes sense it's on sort of a junction of roads and also it, it we've established near the northern border so maybe i mean there, if there's a border the border will be guarded whatever yeah. happens so it might be that this is the nearby town that people go back yeah. to and stuff so yeah i mean it might be that there are a couple of keeps for the north wouldn't surprise me i'm assuming they uh, rotate the soldiers on and off as well yeah. from different times so. so what what we'll do mechanically behind the scenes <clears throat> is this will have an increased defense tag 
and also we'll give it then a guild tag of merchants. Oh, maybe give it a market as well. So it's got like mm. a particularly Makes sense. particularly bustling trade area. Oh, did you have one? shopping, aren't we? Did you want to make another? Yay! Yeah, I think you would have like a regular farmer's market, a regular market like once a month or something. Okay. Is that going to be like a large indoor market? Intelligence No, I think it'll be outdoor and it will be quite, it'll become a bit of a festival for the town as well. Yeah, I think. so when the market's not active, yeah. there might be like, um, what effectively is a huge open town square, yeah. and then yeah, sort of one, maybe for like one week a month, that is just completely uh, filled yeah. with like 10, yeah. 12. I like that. And it would be like, it wouldn't just be like all vendors, but it would become a bit more like a fair as well. So, yeah, you know, it's market week. Yeah, <laughs> so there'll be entertainments and whatever else going on. Fireworks, probably. Okay, so we've established a bit more about the town. A little bit more about the <coughs> Empire, that this town is a part of, and Tempest Peaks is also a part of it. Is yeah. it I'm assuming it's mostly human, based on the other things we've discussed. I would have thought so, yes. Can non-humans be members of the Empire? Yes, but I would say they can. Fine. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the Empire is geographical based. If you live within yeah. the within its borders, you are considered to be part of the Empire. Yeah, whether or not you really necessarily believe it or not, which is why the Tempest Peaks is officially part of the Empire. As I say, I suspect that the more isolated areas don't tend to get visits from many representatives of the Empire. Tempest Beach is yeah. particularly isolated. It's also, even if there was like a tax collector nearby, he's like, I'm not finding those places. Well, exactly. But sometimes I suspect that any local people there know that Tempest Beach isn't part of the Empire, so they don't make a point about it. Because right. it's not worth it. So if someone looks through the archives in the library, yes, this is officially a part of the Empire, but Did no you one know cares enough. Obviously, I've been calling it the Empire, but what is it called? Is it the Empire of Doom? Or <laughs> I think because it's a big all-encompassing thing, I think it would be an empire. Okay. The kingdom, to me, always strikes me as people who take a lot more interest in exactly what's going on with their people, whereas an empire, you can have these, I say, communities which are claimed, but not necessarily right. claim So these might be maybe generations ago, there was a war and these territories were conquered, so they are part of the empire. Yeah, probably, but that kind of thing. It depends really where you are in the empire, how involved it is in day-to-day -day yes, life. Yes, they carved out the board and sometimes just claim bits, you know, because they were there and no one was arguing. That's the name, well, I don't know, what do you think, perhaps? I'm not sure if it has a name. I think it probably is just cool. the empire. I think the endless empire. Dynasty of rulers. Who is the current ruler? Well, at the moment, you see, I think historically the empire has been quite greedy and has sort of actually spread quite a lot. But I think at the moment there's actually a regent who is okay. a woman who is ruling on behalf of her son, who is about seven at the moment. Either the son is the emperor, but because he's but too young to rule, his mum's yeah. doing it. She she was the former empress. She was it's very Game of Thrones. I actually see this empire as having several dynasties that every now and again the, the post of emperor passes from one to the other, okay. depending on if there are, for instance, heirs to go around. In this case, there is, but he's a young heir. So she's probably clinging to it and other, uh, other families and saying, well, no, really. There's very much got... left there, I think there's probably quite a power struggle. Well, no, I suspect yeah. that it's, it's yeah. an interesting yeah. time because obviously he's, he's so young that if something happened to him, it would then, then have to pass it would have to pass on, exactly, yeah. yeah. I think the actual family has been rather people who carry the blood mm. of the, the sort of, you know, that the imperial blood have been whittled down through power okay. struggles. <laughs> I also suspect that how the empire acts is dependent on the dynasty. So, for instance, there might be dynasties who have like a warrior tradition and like the idea of expanding the empire or aggressively defending it. This one might, I don't know, it could be a trade. You know, they might have interests caught in trading of some type. 
I think it's been it's been quite aggressive, like military until quite recently. But it literally they've just yeah. imploded. There's been so much infighting, and they've gone through about four emperors in the like, space of a few months, and there's nobody left. Yeah, we just need to so, establish our borders. There's a bit of a well, kind of power vacuum for members of the non-imperial families to start taking power. So sort of the, the current regent is hanging on desperately yeah. on behalf it of might that. E- yeah, it might even be that uh, popular opinion within the empire is that it's time to change the dynasty because this dynasty is so warmongering. Okay. Maybe the regent isn't warmongering, but that her husband was. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So he the, was, so the former emperor was like, next, can everyone... In fact, I think, if you, I think the, the sort of official story is that he died in a, a tragic accident while out mm-hmm. in the city. I think, actually, he was probably murdered by his wife. It wouldn't surprise me if the same There's a conspiracy theory that he may have been killed by his <laughs> wife, who is a more respectable ruler. And yes, I think, yeah, I think she's probably ruling quite well. And, you know, at the moment, generally, the Empire is quite happy to leave that situation, yeah. but some of the noble houses are sort of starting a little bit of an undercover power struggle. How long is it until the son comes of age? Well, he's seven at the moment, <laughs> so it's going to 11 be... 11 years. 11 years, there we okay. go. People might be worried that he might turn out like his father after all. Yeah, and possibly some of the other families like, well... We can't get power now, but if we get in with the son, yes. he'll do what we want, so maybe yes. we can oust the yeah. mother and we can become regents instead. But you are at the far north of the empire, far away from all this political infighting and stuff. So, again, near where we are now, near the town of Tubridge, uh-huh. these ruins that have been unearthed in the recent months, something's coming out of them, and attacking wandering t- travellers and, and causing general problems which virtuous champions and adventurous heroes need to deal with. What has been going out of the ruins? Strange race of lizard people, perhaps? Oh, I like that. Possibly vole men. Vole men. <laughs> the vole men of Mar. That's very Flash Gordon, almost. I was just thinking that. <laughs> I think it's definitely sort of weird hybrid creatures. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it's at night and lots of people don't survive and people who do it traumatise. So probably they're getting travellers as they come past at night. They're not, I don't think they're... Well, I don't know. Are they attacking town or are they just... I wouldn't have thought they'd be attacking town. That would be quite a, a big thing, especially since it's got a, a fairly good garrison. Presumably there are also satellite farms and villages as well, farm yeah. sites. So there's probably been attacks. Do you think they've actually been destroyed, these farm sites, or was it just raids on them? I think raids. I think like raids, but I think possibly a couple of people might have been sadly injured or even killed. These ruins, no one, well, you don't have these ones specifically, but you know that these earthquakes have uncovered ruins all over the place. <laughs> Generally, the ruins aren't necessarily known about, so they're obviously from thousands of years ago. These creatures have presumably lived down there unknown about for a while. Why don't we time. ask the elves? Because they've been around forever. The elves were <laughs> <for those ruins. laughs> When did these ruins appear then? What I said was over the last few months there have been the earthquakes. Oh, so right. The earthquakes are, are sort of localised. I didn't know these ruins might have appeared very recently. Maybe you came here explicitly to deal with the ruins or to investigate the ruins, or maybe you just happened to be travelling by and there are ruins. So on your character sheets, each of you has a little section called bonds. Yes, you can write your own bonds if you want. You have to have at least one bond. You can have as many as you want. Mechanically speaking, bonds serve two purposes. One is that if you ever sort of conclude your bond, which can be either that you have dealt with what it is or just that that thing is no longer a factor. Mm-hmm. Once you've dealt with a bond, you cross it off, get an experience point and write a new bond. Sure. The other thing is that one of the general moves is assisting people. When you assist someone or interfere with them, <laughs> rather than adding a stack to it, you add the number of bonds you have with that person. Yeah, right. So having multiple bonds can be useful. I'm going to suggest you have at least one bond with each other person in your group, but you can have more if you want. Okay. So, okay. could I have both of them in one bond? Because I have this wonderful idea of 
the elf with the alien eyes will play an important role in the events to come. I have foreseen it. They both have weird eyes. <laughs> it could be both of you, or it could just be one of you. That's cool. Fine. Yes. So you and have that bond with both Ruidor and Merith. Do you have any other bonds? Do you have multiple bonds with a person if you wish? I believe that certainly at least one of them is woefully misinformed about the world. I will teach them all that I can. I'm not quite sure who yet because I don't really know much about them as such yet. Yes, I mean, you've certainly been (laughs) travelling together for, at the very least, a few days. I don't know if you two have been travelling together for longer because you're both members of the Adventurers. That's true. Yes, we might have done. I've got no other real reason to... It it might be that you both turned up at a city maybe a little bit to the south at the local Adventurers Guild and I got this this quest, but I wouldn't really go on your own if I were you and you both happen to be there. You don't really understand how to survive in the wild with your child. (laughs) No, do. that's entirely true. So, Emery does not understand life in the wild, so I will teach him. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant, because my bond was going to be, Emery is not suited for life in the wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, that's cool. Well, you're quite clearly not dressed for it. You're in your robe. You right. obviously don't understand. <laughs> so how do you turn the mosquitoes off? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm having some issues with this. And normally I wouldn't be a massive fan of sapphire elves, but Ruidor does seem to, you know, respect nature, so... Well, um, I, I have... Merith has keen instincts. Okay, hang on, let me do one at a time. Sorry. <laughs> You've got the important role of both of them. Uh, yes. And what was the, Did you have I another think, one? I um, think... I suspect, although I'm not entirely sure yet, I suspect I will have Ruidor as woefully misinformed about the world. I will teach more I can. I mean, that makes sense, because he's actually yes. a complete stranger. The problem I have here is my third bond is someone is keeping an important secret from me, which seems a bit of an odd one to throw on someone. You don't have to use them all, though, do you? You don't have to use them all, and you can... I'm I'm going to leave it as the two for now, I think, and maybe I'll make another one. I mean, it's effectively three, because you're using one of them twice. That's true, so yeah. Merit, mm-hmm. you had Emery does not really understand nature. I will teach him. <laughs> Emery does not understand life in the wild, so I will teach him. I love that. Both effective same thing. In the wild. I want you to have two different teachers. Well. Ruidor is a friend of nature, so I will be his friend as well. Did you want any others, or are you just going to be with those two no, friends? Okay. Ruidor. So I had Emery is not suited for life in the wilderness. Both up on that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I've noticed that. Well, you know, I'm going by the fact that you're smartly dressed and obviously know nothing about living outdoors. Yeah, <laughs> and good. I've got Merith has keen instincts. Quite yeah. clearly, she knows about nature. Awesome. So hypothetically, that could be solved when you get to know Merith more and, <clears throat> and her instincts are no longer a sort of a defining characteristic because you know a lot more about her. Or it could be solved when she proves that she doesn't have keen instincts at all. <laughs> could be, could be. You're travelling north. You two have obviously come together from one of the, the nearby adventuring guilds at some larger settlement to the south. Matt, when did you come upon them? Did you bump into them in the city or have you avoided the city and you've bumped into them on the road because you're slowly slogging your way north? We'll be avoiding civilization, so I will have bumped into them on the road. So you probably only bumped into them a few days ago, really? Yes, I think so. <laughs> You've got to know each other a few days. You've obviously learned that he is a druid in touch with nature and one of those <coughs> crappy sapphire elves who can't deal with the real world. <laughs> and obviously, Matt, you've got to know that Merith is a ranger <coughs> and both of you are obviously travelling with this human wizard who will hopefully be useful as an adventurer, but at the moment doesn't really seem to know what he's doing. <laughs> I know perfectly well what I'm doing. It's not my fault that the, this, this whole countryside thing isn't really agreeing. That's the problem. It's not very well organised, has to be said. But you're, you're near town now. That'll be a far more civilised oh, area. And then you can show these elves how things actually do. <laughs> okay, so you're about a day outside of town and you're just setting up for what should be your last camp, sort of just off the trail. Who is, who, who's currently on watch? 
It is oh. approaching evening. <laughs> I think it's got to be Emery because that's the sort of easy watch. Where, so, you know, so maybe you're sort of on the, the first watch and you're also taking this time yeah. to sort of just finish preparing your spells. I noticed there was a, t- a, a take watch thing, which unfortunately uses wisdom, one of my lower stats. So it's probably the best thing awesome. to do. So, well, she take <laughs> so you're taking watch. What, what, what have you rolled, Steve? Four. Is that including your wisdom bonus? I don't have a wisdom bonus. Okay. So on a four, em- Emery is obviously very busy reading his spell book, mm-hmm. trying to repair his spell. Meditating. He's, he's actually, he, he's decided that for his watch, he's going to close his eyes and meditate, humming quietly to himself. Clearly, Emery is not suited for life in the wilderness. Clearly. Probably guess they both already ticked off their thing. Presumably, in order to tick it off, we have to make you understand. Yeah, you, you have to believe <laughs> that that is no longer the defining Or just give up on it, because it's too yeah, <laughs> We actually, yeah, awesome. So the first thing you guys hear, you're awoken <clears throat> when you hear Emery crying out loud as he's attacked by a small furry humanoid creature. Yeah. Um, it's quite dark. You've got like a dog just maintaining a low campfire, so it's it's mostly shadowy, but it, it appears to be some small furry humanoid creature. If not for the fur, you'd possibly think it was a goblin or something, but you aren't quite sure what it is. So you are not prepared. Um, you do not have your weapons ready. The person on watch did not alert you <laughs> to this approach. So, Steve, you basically cry out as this uh, shape uh. is jumping upon you. You, you don't know what you, you don't know what it is or what it's doing. It's just it, it's lunging at you. I shall lunge back the other way, away from it. So you're then I shall try and scramble to the other side of the campfire. To get the fire and up. and yell. Oh, uh, uh, wake up, everyone! Uh, okay, I'm going to say you are trying to defy danger using your agility in this case. Eight. Okay, so you've successfully got to the other side of the fire. The problem is, because you weren't prepared, you basically scrambled across the fire. You've managed to cry out, you've woken your companions up. Unfortunately, the, uh, the, the, the cuff of one of your sleeves has caught a flame. <laughs> this wouldn't happen in so- civilised climes! And that is where we will leave our intrepid adventurers for the time being. Given their success rate so far, you can see where we get our name from. Thank you again for listening. If you want to get in touch with us for any reason, then our website fumblepodcast.com has contact details on it. I'd be particularly interested in knowing how you found out about us, and of course whether or not you enjoyed the show. The music that you heard at the introduction, and that is just starting to play again, was put together by the oh-so-talented Christopher Backlid. His details are also on our website. 